Welcome to Ginspired, brought to you by theginshop.ca. This podcast will take you on a journey into the world of gin, where you'll experience this versatile spirit in ways you never thought possible. Now the host of Ginspired, Heather E. Wilson. Hello and welcome to Ginspired, where we talk about and celebrate everything about the wonderful juniper lace spirit called gin. I'm your host, Heather E. Wilson, and on today's episode, I welcome Christine Bueller, communications consultant and a former bartender in San Francisco. Today, we chat about her lifelong love of gin, the bar scene in San Francisco, her favorite gins and cocktails, and of course, we share a cocktail and a fun gin incident story or two. Welcome, Christine. Hi, Heather. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's awesome to have you here. But first, as with all episodes, let's start by sharing what we are drinking today. And Christine, you can go first. What are you drinking today? Well, I was in Lisbon, Portugal recently, where I tried for the first time a gin drink called The White Lady. And I loved it. And as soon as I got home, I was like, I got to recreate this, baby. So that's what I'm drinking today. And what is in a white lady? It's got egg white in it. It also has lemon and gin. I think some sugar also. It's a bit of a sweet drink, which I don't normally like, but sometimes I do. And this is one of them. Okay. Well, I'll have to look that one up. That sounds really interesting. Well, today I'm having a chocolate almond Negroni. Wow. And I have to tell you, this is my absolute hands down new favorite cocktail, or at least for this month anyway. It's a basic Negroni, so gin, Campari, and sweet vermouth, but it also has just a touch of amaretto and chocolate liqueur and just a couple of dashes of chocolate bitters. Holy mind-blowing. If you like Negronis, this is just leveled up Negroni. I have to literally restrain myself from drinking <laughs> Because they're so good. They're like, and you can taste all the layers, like all the different things in it, which you would think something would overpower, like the amaretto might overpower or the chocolate might overpower, but it does not. It's just perfectly balanced, which is super yummy. Highly recommend trying. Just saying. <laughs> awesome. I will put that on my list. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk about you. First, before we dive into all the cool stuff about San Francisco. So tell me, what is your very first memory of drinking gin? My first memory of drinking gin is a bit illicit. Not sure <laughs> how many people consider that. Maybe a lot. But I was at my best friend's house when I was 15. And of course, you know, we were curious about what alcohol tastes like because you know we've never really had any before and so when her parents weren't looking we snuck downstairs and just swiped a bottle we didn't really look at what it was and we kind of hustled it back upstairs and it turned out to be a bottle of Tanqueray ah. and she wanted me to try it first and so I just like poured a little bit in the cap and I smelled it and then I tasted it and I was just like pretty blown away. I was like, oh my God, this tastes like eating a pine tree. <laughs> and she was like, oh, let me try, let me try. And then she tried some and she was like, oh my God, you're right. So, you know. And that we, was a good thing. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, 
it just seemed so, I don't know, evocative, maybe. Like some alcohols you drink and you don't get a sense of what made them, of what's in them. But, you know, with gin, I think you really do. It's like a presence. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because some people, when their first memory of drinking gin, oh my God, it smells like pine trees. That's a turnoff, right? It's not a good thing. And so they never try it again until like 20 years later. And then they're suddenly like, oh, this is really good. You know, why did I not continue? But for you, it sounds very different that pine trees was a great thing. And so then let's just move you forward to official drinking age. And (laughs) did you continue drinking gin? Like, obviously, you know, you're a lot older than 15 right now. After that, kind of what was your past with experiencing gin? Gin kind of became just like my go-to drink that I would order, you know, when I was at a bar or a club, I just, you know, order a gin and tonic. It's hard to mess up, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Well... <laughs> yeah, and I just I don't know. I don't know if it was that first taste of gin sort of like imprinted itself on me or something, but gin and tonic was my go-to drink for years and years. I don't think it was until I got into bartending that I started to like branch out a bit more. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about that. So what made you decide to go into bartending? Mm, that's an interesting question. I think my family is very different in how they regard drinking. My mom's side of the family, like nobody drinks. Like there's beer. People have beer. My dad's side of the family is very different. Like whenever I went over there for a holiday, my grandparents were always having some sort of like beautiful, fancy cocktail and some kind of like cut glass mm. vessel. And I don't know, I guess it just felt like it held a sort of glamour for me almost. And so I don't know what got me interested in it exactly. I think one thing is I was just sort of looking for something new to do, you know, both as a job and just something new to learn. And I started with a friend of mine who was a bartender at a pretty well-known San Francisco establishment, the Cat Club. Cat Club has been around for a long time, like 20 years, something like that. And they're well-known for doing 80s nights, goth nights, you know, like punk music nights. So it's more of like an alternative kind of bar. So I used to go there quite a bit. And over time, I sort of built a friendship with one of the bartenders there. And, you know, it's kind of hard to talk to bartenders, especially if you're in a club environment. Yeah, They're pretty busy. But, you know, whenever, you know, we could, we'd snatch like a few minutes of conversation. And so one day I just asked him, I was like, hey, man, would you teach me how to bartend? (laughs) He asked his manager, He was like, yeah, my next shift is this day, this time. I'll see you then and we'll start. Wow, that is so cool. And so then you've been bartending previously. We'll get into why you're not now, but in San Francisco. So you got to see a lot what was going on. And, you know, what were some of the big trends or gin cocktails even that people were getting you know what's kind of the gin vibe in san francisco 
Yeah, I think it's definitely Jin has experienced a resurgence in San Francisco. You know, when I first got here, which was eight years ago, something like that, sort of felt like I was the only one drinking gin amongst my friends. And I think the trend I'm seeing is not just, you know, a resurgence of gin in general, but, you know, just a lot of experimentation with like botanicals, you know, everyone's kind of doing their own like unique mixture. Yeah. I definitely see a lot of variations on like aviation cocktail, the bee's knees cocktail. I think those are both quite popular in San Francisco. All right. So a resurgence of the really classic gin cocktails. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I see that too, for sure. Okay. So you already mentioned one cool bar. Are there other, are there any like gin specific bars in San Francisco? Yeah, there is a very well-known primarily gin-based bar in San Francisco called Whitechapel. And I had heard of it somehow before like it even opened just because I knew it was about gin. And I was like, oh my God, a bar <laughs> devoted entirely to gin. I can't wait. I'd be and, first uh, in line. Yeah. And it opened. And one of the really cool things about it is the vibe, the decor is supposed to be like an abandoned London underground tube station, sort of in the Victorian era. So it's like almost got a sort of steampunky vibe to it a little bit. It's really beautiful. And in addition to that, they just have more gins than I've seen anywhere else. They have hundreds of gins. The whole place is just lined and lined and lined with gins. And their gin cocktail menu is like 30 pages long, maybe even more than that. So I think, you know, Whitechapel has definitely increased the awareness of gin and probably the resurgence that's happening in San Francisco. The same people who did Whitechapel operate this other bar, Smuggler's Cove, that's devoted entirely to rum. And it has like a sort of tiki pirate theme. And so, you know, I guess they did rum and they're like, it's time to move on to gin. (laughs) Hmm, That'd be interesting to compare which one does better. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's a great idea because gin lovers are a very specific group And I would love to see a bar dedicated to gin in particular, but any, even one spirit here, we're too small, so we can't do that. But I know in London and in Ireland and in Scotland, they do have a lot of bars that are dedicated just to gin and they're on my bucket list for sure. And now I can add Whitechapel to mine too. Wow. Like gin bar tour. Sounds like it would be an awesome vacation. I think so. It's right up there for sure. And now that we can sort of travel again, you know, once the airlines get their stuff together, (laughs) and then yes, we could go on a gin bar tour. I've done gin distillery tours, like vacations where we just do distillery after distillery, but not bar after bar. So I think that would be super cool. Yeah, I hope you make it to Whitechapel. It's fantastic. The first year it opened, I celebrated one of my birthdays there. I think it was maybe my 25th birthday and, you know, a few other special occasions there. It's just a really beautiful place. Cool. Well, I'll definitely check it out. Okay, so let's talk about your favorite gin and cocktails. So let's start with your three favorite gins and why. 
currently? Because I know it changes. Currently. I mean, I would say Hendrix. It's a classic, but it's never really gone out of favor with me. I have a special edition Hendrix in my liquor cabinet that I got for a birthday. And I also like Monkey 47. That's another favorite. And then I would say, oh, the St. George Terroir. Okay. Terroir, um, (laughs) which is actually made here in the Bay Area. The St. George Distillery is here. And so it's kind of special to drink that one because it's specifically made from like Northern California inspired botanicals. So it feels like extra special to drink that particular variety here. And have you gone to the distillery? I haven't. Ah, There's a thing to do right there. I know. Distillery tours are awesome. I think, unfortunately, they've been closed like the entire pandemic. They probably I think are they're far. still closed. Really? I think so. I don't know. I, most of ours reopened hmm. quite a while ago. But anyway, check it out. See if you can. You never know. Yeah, I'd love to. Cool. All right. So then three favorite cocktails aside from the white lady. Hmm. It's hard for me to deviate from just a classic gin and tonic. I just think it's like a good one to just get the sense of the gin you're drinking. Anything complicating it. Yep. Bee's Knees is also one of my favorites. I think I said earlier that I tend not to like particularly sweet cocktails. Mm -hmm. And I do also like a Negroni. It's more kind of like I have to be in a Negroni mood. You know, for me, it's not necessarily like an anytime drink. But when I get in the Negroni mood, I'm like, all right, I got to have one. (laughs) My Negroni mood is usually four o'clock on Friday. But... (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's reliable. That's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. Now it's the time for the Jincident story. And I know you've already shared a couple of cool stories, but do you have an official Jincident story that you can share with us? I do, actually. It happened when I was living for a brief period of time in Washington, D.C. This was, I think, my first like real job out of college. And I had been out with some friends that night and I was coming home by myself. And there was this bar close to where I lived that I really liked. And it was kind of late, but I was like, oh, I'll just stop in really quick and have one drink before I go home. And so I go in, order a gin and tonic with Hendrix. And there's this man sitting to my left who I guess overhears my order and he's clearly British and he's like, I'm not going to try and do like an English accent. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to do accents. (laughs) But he was like, oh, Hendrix is the best gin. (laughs) Good choice. I was like, thank you. And then some other guy who was like maybe two people down from me also heard this conversation kind of sticks his head over the bar and he's like, no, mate. Australian gin is the best. (laughs) And they sort of start having this like congenial disagreement, I guess, about whether like English gin or Australian gin 
is the best and they don't really like drop it. In fact, it only becomes like a more heated argument. And by this time, the dude who's been a little over to my left has moved. So he's right next to me on the stool right next to me. And the Australian guy has moved. So he's right next to me on the other side. And they're both like having this argument like right in front of my face. (laughs) And I think, you know, it maybe wasn't an argument entirely about the gin. I think (laughs) they're both sort of trying to like impress me, but neither of them dropped it. And so I just kind of let it happen for a while. And then I finished my drink and I was like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And then I left that bar. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. Good call. And they were still arguing as I left. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that is funny. And I have seen that where total strangers have very strong opinions on which gin is best. But the thing about gin is it's subjective, right? It's what your own taste is. And I've had Australian gins and British gins and gins from all over the world. And they're all amazing for different reasons. So that I would never say one country's gin was the best over another's. Yeah, <laughs> would I, especially with how many varieties there are. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Okay, cool. So any last thoughts or words on anything at all that you'd like to share? I really like Raymond Chandler. And I was recently reading one of his most famous books, The Long Goodbye, Mm. for the first time. And in it, one of the main characters loves gimlets. And they often meet in a bar and they're having Philip Marlowe and the main character have a gimlet together. And the character is British, and he maintains quite firmly that a true gimlet is half gin and half roses lime juice. Right. And so I haven't made, you know, a true gimlet according to Raymond Chandler yet, but... As soon as I get my hands on some roses, lime juice, I intend to. Yeah. Personally speaking, I find the ratio is too heavy to the lime, like substantially. <laughs> Maybe they just really like a lot of lime juice in the story, but give it a try the way he says, but then experiment yourself because it's really limey. <laughs> <laughs> like it's all I can say is like really limey. Yeah, that's what I thought too when I read it. But I was like, he's pretty insistent about this. Yeah, go for it and report back. And then you'll probably look up a gimlet. Well, as a bartender, you've made gimlets, I'm sure. I have. And it's not 50-50. Well, I've never made it that I can recall with Rose's lime juice, which is like very specific. So I don't know if that has something specific in it that would make it taste different from just like pure squeezed from the lime lime juice yeah that i don't know i prefer fresh squeezed lime juice to Mm -hmm. anything bottled i think rose's lime juice was just what they had back in the day right like it's all they had at the time (laughs) it was what they had because they couldn't get fresh limes like we can Right now, and Roses was the name brand. Now it does still exist, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know. You'll have to give it a try. But I know yes. for a fact, I at this point in my life, never drink a 50-50 Gimlin. <laughs> really strong in the lime. Unless you love just lime, because it actually drowns out the gin taste, believe it or not. It's not even... Oh, yeah. That doesn't sound great. No. But... It's a classic in a book. And I have heard that one before. So give it a try and then you can, then you'll know for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I will. Cool. <laughs> That's fun. Okay. And there you have it. Everything you wanted to know about Christine, her favorite gins and cocktails, some cool bars in San Francisco, and so much more. Thank you so much, Christine, for being here today. Thank you, Heather. And thank you for listening. Be sure to leave us a review and check out the show notes for links to Christine and the ginshop.ca for all your gin clothing and novelty needs. Until next time, remember, bring gin. You don't win friends with salad. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ginspired, brought to you by the ginshop.ca. If we've ginspired you, let us know by leaving us a comment and a review. Or drop us a note at heather at the ginshop.ca. We may even read your email or feature your ginspirational story in an upcoming episode. And remember to follow us on social media. Until next time, let the party be gin.